A reading from Colossians 3, verse 15 to 17. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace. And be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and astonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. This is the word of the Lord. Let's just pray for a minute. Father, we thank you that you know everything about us, that in our joys and our sorrows, in everything ever the experiences of this life, that you are for us that you're not against us. Father, thank you that your love seeks us out, it pursues us. Father, thank you that you alone know our deepest needs. You alone get beyond the surface of our lives to touch the places with your love. Father, I pray today, would you continue to bring order to some of the chaos of our lives, of our world, of our parish, that by your spirit, would you continue to breathe life. And by your living word, I pray that your written word would come alive in the spoken word to each one of us this day and this week. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we... um, Looking this term at the theme of discipleship, just a quick plug. Um, For those of you who like a bit of reading, uh, this is a little bit more of a challenging book than some of the things I've recommended in the past. Um, But there's lots of reasons I like this book, which is the shape of the next five or six weeks. There there are literally hundreds of books on discipleship. But the shape of this book, uh, this is, is something I think is fantastic. Uh, It's written by someone called Lucy Pepiat, who's a theologian and someone I vaguely know uh, through things. But actually, and what we're going to do is follow the shape of that. And if you'd like uh, something that's a bit more challenging to read about where we are and why we are, why we're looking the way we are, uh, there's a couple of copies on the back uh, table. Uh, Do take that over the next month. Uh, I don't know what you're doing during Lent, but it'd be a great read. But it's also a little bit of a challenging read as well. Well, when we think about what it means to be a follower of Jesus, it's interesting to think, what do we expect from life? What do we expect as a follower of Jesus? What does God expect maybe of us? And what do we expect of God? What do we need to do, but what do we expect God to do? I mean, what's the deal? I mean, what is the deal? 
with God and with us. In this season of Lent, you may have uh, decided to do a number of things. You may have taken on some new practices. You may have decided, I'm going to spend a little bit more time with God each day. You may have decided you're going to stop that addiction to chocolate, uh, to internet, uh, to Facebook. Uh, I know friends of mine who've stopped plastic. You may be very environmentally conscious and think, I need to do something that is much more environmentally friendly. I may want to choose to bless somebody each day by speaking blessing over them rather than criticizing them. I may be doing all sorts of things. And actually, Lent is a time where we think a little bit more carefully about our practice and what we do and how that makes a difference, not just to us, but to those around us. And actually, do we really understand on a daily basis? Do we take time? Do we understand what's going on in our lives? I mean, when was the last time you took stock for example, of your life. Really took stock and said, well, you know, what's going well? Where is their life? Where am I flourishing? Where am I fruitful? Where am I growing? Actually, where is a bit of a car crash in my life? I've got bad patterns in my life. I've got bad habits in my life that are destroying some of the good things in my life. And actually, if that is the case, if I'm honest enough or I'm self-aware enough or whatever the words you want to use are, How do I go about changing, if I'm honest about where my life is? How do I see more of this good stuff? How do I manage to deal with some of this bad stuff so that actually I begin to grow, I begin to flourish, I begin to demonstrate the life of God in my life? And it's challenging. It is challenging for lots of reasons. If you're part of a house group, Take the opportunity over these next four or five weeks to share openly about where you are with God, where you are in your life, and actually how you can help each other in your walk with God. In the first part of this term, we looked at particularly some of the scriptures about God's promise to bring life in all all its fullness to us. That in the birth, life, death, resurrection, and ascension of Jesus Christ, the kingdom of God came, was inaugurated in a way that we could know life in its fullness. It wasn't just about knowing some truth, or that includes that, but it's about living life spiritually, physically, emotionally, um, in our work life and on all parts of our life. We can and experience life to the full. The resources of heaven, the kingdom of heaven, are available to us. If you think, well, that's a bit abstract. So, for example, can we choose a life of love rather than a life of hate or fear? When you go to your workplace, when you go back to your family, will you love? Will you be fearful? Will you behave out of love or will you behave out of fear? And if, if actually you're struggling with that, where do I find the strength or power to live that life of love that I'm called to If you're someone who's consumed with anxiety and fear and worry a lot of the time, where do I find peace? Can I expect peace? Where is a source of peace that would enable me to live? And if you're someone who's consumed by the the future and just feel the sense of dread that your past is behind you and that all the good parts of your life are behind you, how do I live with hope? How do we live with hope rather than a fatalism 
and a despair in this world. In partnership with God, we can live a life that is fully alive. That's what I mean um, when I talk about maybe a little bit of like fatalism and despair. I know one or two uh, people who write, there's people who write very amusingly about, it's not a given, for example. Do we consider a given, for example, that if you're a... Uh, I better be careful what I say, haven't I? Uh, if you're a daughter here, that you will automatically turn into what your mother is later in life. Is there a kind of basic assumption that you are going to just turn into who your mother was? If you're a son, that you'll just turn into... You don't, I know some of you look at me like, that's not going to happen. Over my dead body, am I not going to turn into my mother or my father? And that's the right way around, by the way. Um, many of us do live with that sense that just life is going to go by. Nothing's going to change. And actually, it's just set for me. Is it given, for example, that we're just going to reflect the culture we live in? All of us live in a slightly different culture, influenced by the attitudes of the workplace we live in, uh, the, the family, we, for good or for ill, the family we were brought up in, the kind of things we watch on TV or on the internet, or whatever else it is, will we just reflect what's coming into us? And it's just a given, you know, that's society we live in, that's the way it is. Does the company we make and keep make a real difference to us? Or actually, and I apologise to one or two people, but actually have the marketeers and the advertisers actually really understood a little bit more clearly than many of us that actually we are shaped by our wants, our desires, and what we love. And actually they shape us massively. Whether we think about it consciously or unconsciously, that our character is shaped over time by our habits, by what comes into our life, and our character begins to grow and form and develop in a particular way. Last week, uh, Debbie very kindly came and preached and looked at one of the great passages of the Bible, one of the foundational passages about discipleship in Matthew's Gospel, in Matthew 28, where Jesus commissions his followers, his disciples, to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Now, for those of you who haven't been around here, is if you're un- trying to understand what does that look like, you're not sure. Many people, when they think about Christianity, think that Christianity is, is the opposite of what this man, Dallas Willard, has written. Christian discipleship is not a set of rules and obligations, but being captivated by a person. Christian discipleship is not a set of rules or obligations, but being captivated by a person, that person is Jesus Christ. It's about the person of Jesus. That's who we're following. God has come to us in human form to save us, to transform us, and it's a free gift for us all to respond to. We're called to follow Jesus. But what does it mean? What kind of follower does that look like Many, many today say, well, for example, if you think about that word of what it means to be a disciple, many may, for example, think of a di- disciple being someone like it's a student or a member of an entourage. But actually, more helpfully, maybe, one of the more helpful ways of understanding 
uh, discipleship. Um, it was reflected in a pastor called David Park who put this, my disciple is an apprentice in the family business. An apprentice is a novice, it's a learner, it's a pupil, it's somebody who wants to learn and grow it to become a master craftsman. Jesus is our master. We are learners at his feet. And what we do is we allow God by his spirit to transform our character from the inside out. And that takes a lifetime. As we take on God's nature, so we become more Christ-like. We become more like the true selves God created us to be. So we become his ambassadors in Bath, in Walcott, at your workplace, as you go around the world. At the heart of the idea of discipleship and the, the, the heart of discipleship itself, we recognize, though, one of the great risks in discipleship is we think that following Jesus is all about our effort. It's all about what I do, and it includes that. But you've got to start by understanding what it means to be a disciple, by understanding that faith is a gift, a free gift, a free gift of grace. It's God's initiative. God has revealed himself to us. And all we do is in response to his initiative in our life. We get drawn into the wonder of who Jesus, Jesus is, the extraordinary treasure that Jesus is the Son of God who has come to us and offers us life in all its fullness, offers us forgiveness, offers us grace, offers life for eternity. And so captivated by that person are we, that we respond by giving our lives to him. We respond by giving our lives to him and then by loving God and loving our neighbours. If you don't understand discipleship of having understood or grasped that you have a treasure of infinite worth in knowing Jesus, if you don't grasp that you have got the greatest treasure that the world could give in the person of Jesus, then discipleship will be a bit of a mystery to you. Because you'll never grasp the enormity of who God is and what God has done for you. But as we start to experience his grace, his love, his compassion, his forgiveness, as his spirit starts to get at work in our lives, so it becomes a free choice to love him and to obey him, to love him and obey him, to lay our lives down in response to his extraordinary love for us. We're going to look over the next few weeks at how our lives are shaped by God's word, which I'm going to briefly talk about this morning, uh, that by God's spirit next week, by we're shaped by life. Each one of us has a life uniquely made and created by God for us to live. We're shaped by community. We're not just to live the Christian life on its own, but we're shaped by one another. And we're also called um, to give away. Our lives are not static, but they're ones of giving what God has given us. And as we learn God's ways, God, as we learn to be recipients of his kingdom, so we'll discover what it means to live a life that's truly free. During the summer, I was thinking a lot about this. Um, when I went away to uh, New Wine, which is a Christian conference, 
And in Sheptamalat, you get the joys of camping, which we thought about with riding lights uh, a little bit. On Friday, the joy of camping on a, on a showground for a week is really just a mystery why we do it, to be honest. But actually, one of the challenges on each morning was uh, a pastor was challenged about, are you really honest? Do we really want to see change in your life? And how are we going to go about it? Because make no mistake in your life, as you stand here today, as you sit here today, that if you don't put your energies in response to what God has done, the world will disciple you. The world will disciple you in the world's ways. Every day you will consume more and more things of the world that will shape what you want, what you want to do. The habits you develop start to ingrain in you a way of living, a way of thinking, a way of doing that will change how you think, how you do. And, and that's what God gets to work in. What we look on the internet, what we spend our t- where we spend our time with, what we give to, the music we listen to, the things we take on are forming you. They're forming each one of us each day. Every day we're influenced in a particular way, whether that's conscious or not. The question is, for us this morning and for us over these next few weeks, where is God in that? Where do we find, do we enable God to be reshaping and moulding our story with all those other influences in our lives too? And I wonder about that. For me, it's just as much of a challenge for me as it is for you. We may have slightly different challenges, different life, but actually the challenges are the same about living well in this world today. But when we talk about Jesus, and we just need to be clear right at the beginning, who we're talking about. I'm not talking about one person's perception of Jesus, but the fully human person we find in the Gospels, in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. John's Gospels are the first four books of the New Testament. They're the accounts of Jesus' life. If you want to know who Jesus is, if you want to know a little bit more about what he's like and what he might call you to, why not reread those four accounts over Lent, for example? Just spend some time looking at the person of Jesus again. Five, five or so years ago, I spent a long time going back to the Gospels, to actually looking more closely again at who Jesus was. I've been a Christian most of my life. I've got lots of churchy stuff. And actually, when you look at Jesus' life afresh again and forget some of the things maybe you were taught, maybe you'll find a person isn't quite who you think he is. That actually the Jesus of the New Testament isn't quite who you think he is. And that's one of the things we need to constantly do in discipleship is come back to God to look at who he is. Because he is the primary authority, the primary truth in the world, the primary person in the world who will shape our lives for good and for God. We get to know Jesus through the Bible. Now most of us uh, maybe get stuck on certain parts of Jesus' life. But actually, by looking at those accounts and spending time in those accounts, we look at the whole of his life, and that's incredible, incredibly helpful. Because may no mistake, what the Bible demonstrates, what the Bible shows, is that God has made the invisible God visible in the person of Jesus Christ. We discover the perfect human being. 
That Jesus and his life, he came, he lived a life that we were called to live and died a death that we are called to live so that we may have life in its fullness. He conquered the power of sin and death so that we could know life for us. In John's Gospel, um, John, most, a lot of you will know this, but in John's Gospel, uh, Jesus is called the Logos, the Word, in that famous passage we often read at Christmas uh, from John 1. And for many of you will know, but in, in Greek and Jewish writings, the Logos was the word that was used to, de- to describe the incredible, incredibly powerful and creative force in the world. And the claims of Jesus and the person of Jesus is that, that he is that creative, godly power, godly person made flesh in this world. And we're called to follow him and to be united to him if we're to live a life of truth and grace. So let me just briefly say a few things about the Bible. There's a few verses uh, we've had read. I'm not as you... Oh, it's a bit small, that, isn't it? I'm sorry for those of you who are a little bit more eyesight uh, challenged. But here's, here's three verses that talk about the Word of God, the Bible, and how it might be important to us. So the reading Emily read for us, very short, but let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to him, to God the Father through him. One of the famous verses of many, uh, particularly evangelical churches, 2 Timothy 3, 16, all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, for rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. And Psalm 119, your word is a lamp for my feet and a light to my path. God speaks to us through his word. We need to spend some time in his word to both enable him to speak to us, but also it helps us speak to others too. We hear God's word by reading ourselves, by maybe coming to church and hear it spoken or hear someone preach. We may uh, be in a place where we get a chance to hear words prophetically given in different circumstances. We experience God's God's word afresh through communion by giving and sharing of communion together. And so as we spend time in his word, as we spend time with God in his word, so God, sometimes unknowingly to us, gets to work shaping us. He gets to work sometimes dramatically, but sometimes just quietly because we're following a pattern, we're developing a habit that we're just quietly going through it and we say, oh, but Lord, I don't understand all this. But we commit to it and we get into rhythm of it and quietly God starts to get to work in our lives, shaping us. And before we know it that actually once we commit to it and start to read it, we want to know a little bit more about it, to get to know it a bit better, to make sense of it, to know the person at the centre of it. And God gets to work shaping us and transforming us because we are responding to his great love for us by committing to his word. 
One of the ways uh, many theologians talk about is that as God starts, as we commit to his story, so he reshapes our story. And that's our prayer, that God, we want God to reshape our stories. So we become, we receive and get into this place of receiving more of his goodness and also have power to deal with some of the stuff that seems to have a hold of us that's a challenge in our life. As we read it aloud, as we share it with one another, as we allow some discussion with other people to try and make sense of it, as we engage with it, God begins to get to work in us, shaping us. Again, the guy who um, spoke about what Christianity is, Dallas Willard, um, put it this way. He also said this, which is really useful. Lots of other people have said this. He said, for example, if you bury yourself in the book of Psalms, you'll emerge knowing God and understanding life. If you bury yourself in the Psalms, you will emerge knowing God and understanding life. But actually, they all take a bit of time. And for me, I'm, I'm not, my background is not someone who's a literature person. I'm not a great reader. I've never been a great reader. I've always been on the science side of the world. So I actually found reading scripture quite hard over my life. Some of the big narrative bits of the Bible, some of the big story bits of the Bible I found really difficult to engage with, not find it easy. Some of the other bits of the Bible, the letters I love, some of the stories, the Gospels, great. Uh, the prophetic books, always loved those. The wisdom stuff, fantastic. But some of the narrative stuff, particularly in the Old Testament, I found really, really difficult. But then what I've done is I've found people who can help me in my life, I've found books that help me. I've listened to podcasts that help me. All sorts of different resources there are to help me get to grips a little bit more fully with what God is revealing to us through his word, how he's revealing Jesus to us through the written word. It's one of the things I looked forward to. I always looked forward to going to, I was very excited about going to Bible college I had no idea when I got there. When I got there, I thought, was that a good idea when I got there? It wasn't quite what I thought. But one of the things that's most humbling, actually, was scholars who have spent their life studying scriptures. Literally, it's their life's work. Who still have a hunger and an awe and a yearning to get to know it better and to get to know the person at the centre of this story better. So how do we can do that? Here's a few suggestions this morning. If you're, someone, if you're in a house group, join a house group. If you're not in a house group, join a house group. People who can share, you can talk, you can wrestle, you can just talk about life. But you can begin to make sense a little bit more. Uh, find someone to pray with regularly. That's also an amazing thing if you struggle to find the times uh, to meet on a house group night. There are loads of Bible study um, resources. I mean, imagine if I took a straw poll this morning. Some might, you know, be every day with Jesus. Some might be the Bible in a year. There's some, some great resources online. I know some people get the Bible, a little Bible um, passages downloaded to their phone each day uh, with a Bible passage and then with a little explanation. There are lots of websites out, out there that do that. If you're busy and you're in work and you're thinking how I can do it. I used to, um, I get it all released. I used to spend a lot of time on my car and work. And so I just used to play it on the CD 
uh, in my car. Oh, it's probably on the iPod thing now, isn't it? Uh, in the car rather than the CD. But you know what I'm getting at. To play it, to take the opportunities in the rhythm of your life to find time to hear God's word and find a way of making sense of it. Each uh, morning, as part of working here, we meet to pray. Um, as part of, well, we meet as a staff, but anybody else who comes uh, is also very welcome. And we've been going through the book, at the minute, we're going through the book of Galatians, um, and reading that each morning to each other and going through it. And this week, God was reminding me again about the freedom we have in Christ. As I read through Galatians, we heard and reread what God says, what Paul says um, in Galatians, as God says what it means to be a Christian, to be free. Christ has set us free. Are we living, is St. Swithin's living, free? Are we free? Or are we actually all bound up? Are we free? That's our inheritance as Christians. Christ came to set us free. Free indeed. As part of my uh, Bible study readings um, this week, uh, Josh and I were reading Ezekiel 37. It's a complicated, difficult passage. Many of you will know it. It's the, the, um, the picture of the dry bones, the valley of the dry bones. And it's a complicated passage, you know, trying to make sense of it. Joshua was asking a few questions about it, some of which I could answer, some of which I couldn't answer very adequately. You know, that's the way it is. You think, well, I've got to go work out a little bit more. But where is it in our community? There are dry bones that need God to breathe life into. Where is it if you've got passion to see where there's death and there's brokenness and there's no life that basically needs the breath of God to bring it back to life? Do we literally need to see resurrection power within our community to see what's not life alive come to life? To bring the kind of life that only God can bring. When we met this week on Tuesday to pray, uh, as part of praying together as a church, one of the great encouragements I always take is when you pray together with other Christians. Sometimes you pray very tentatively, sometimes, uh, but actually as we did that, as we prayed together, so you just, I become overwhelmed with that sense of gratitude of people engaging with God and loving God and also responding to God's story. Praying scriptures that really mean something to us as a community. Verses that shape us, sharing that, worshipping, singing of that, singing the psalms and spiritual songs that God was putting on our hearts to pray for this community and the community we're here to serve around us. There is a battle. It is God's, as Liz, I think, reminded us as well. There is a battle for God. We want to share the good news that we have, the treasure that is the heart of why we meet here on a Sunday for others to know. But we're called to play our part to join in. So as I conclude, just a few things this morning. I wonder how this Lent, you may, Lent may have passed you by, and this vicar may be talking about Lent a little bit like two weeks too late anyway, but put that one to one side. You've got a month. You've got a month before, um, before Easter, 
what could you do over the next month that would make a real difference to your life? What do you think God might be challenging to do? Is it to pick something up and start to do something you're not doing? Or is it actually, as you prayerfully think, so Lord, I need to put something down that's actually crippling my life? Maybe a habit, a pattern, something that really isn't helping you. What holy habits does God want to grow in us? One of the things that... um, when I was, uh, I, I grew up in church most of my life. I've been in church most of my life. I was reminded this week as I was praying that I said one of my great memories, uh, as I think I was about eight, was having as part of Sunday school weekend, was having to memorize Psalm 1 and stand up in the front of church and to recite Psalm 1 to the whole of the church. Uh, I, can't, I think I was only about eight. The most terrifying thing in my life for, for someone who's a bit more introverted. But actually still those verses are within me. And actually, when I got into crisis in a few points in my life, one of the interesting things I'd just say is this, is that when you get into a crisis in your life and you don't feel as though you can pray with what's within you, it's the stuff that's within you that sticks. You pray the Lord's Prayer. You pray verses that are particularly, that have struck you and held you throughout your life. John three sixteen, whatever it is. So you might just want to memorise a couple of verses of Scripture. They're really important to you. You say, well, there's the first few verses of Scripture. I'm going to put that to memory. I'm going to go over the next month and just find two verses, a whole passage. Some of you may need something a bit more ambitious. A friend of mine learned the whole of Romans 8. He thought, I need to get some of this stuff from here into here. And not for everybody, but for some of you, that you might find that helpful. Okay, this morning I'm going to finish with a couple of things. Um, I'd actually like us just to be quiet for a second, and then I would, I'd like you to do a number of things. One of which is, as part of understanding what discipleship is, I'd like us to say a prayer together. And actually I'd like to say this prayer to, for a number of things. If you don't consider yourself to be a follower of Jesus, and have never prayed a prayer to give your life to follow Jesus... I'd encourage you to pray this prayer. I'm going to put the words up behind us to pray this prayer uh, together. If you have already given your life to Jesus, you think, yeah, Lord, I just need to remind myself who it is I'm following and why. I'd like you to encourage you to pray this too as you pray this together. Then I'll explain what we're going to do there. So let's just take a moment of quiet uh, and then I'm going to we'll pray. So if you'd like to make this uh, your prayer this morning as part of your response, let's pray together out loud. Dear Lord Jesus, I have heard that your love never fails. 
that you're willing to forgive, that you have power to heal. I have heard that before I knew you, you knew me, you loved me, and you gave yourself for me. Today, I want to know and experience your love for me. So I turn towards your kindness and forgiveness with my deepest needs and my deepest wounds. I pray, Lord Jesus Christ, have mercy on me and forgive me. Pour your healing love into my life and make me new. Show me the way to go and I will follow. Amen. If you've never prayed that prayer before and you would like someone to talk to, then do talk to me at the end of the service. I've got a couple of things actually I'd like you to do though. There's a bit of work I want you to do now. Uh, and what you'll find is the work, uh, there's two bits. Near you, you'll find two sheets of paper. And actually, one, they're both serious pieces of work, but, but actually, there's one piece of work I really, really would like you to do if you could. Um, there's a picture of the front on one of them called The Disciple. Um, it says by, it's the cover of the book by Lucy Pepe, but it's of following Jesus. And on the back, ignore the words on the back. What I'd like you to do, one of the things uh, when we were praying this week on Tuesday, I was just very conscious, if we're a church that is shaped by God's word, what are the verses of scripture that God has put on our hearts for this church, this community? Is there any passage of the Bible, any passage of the Bible that you know, or you can think of as you've prayed, that you would like to write down on here? That you think it may be a verse of scripture, if you've been here 50 years, there may be one or two scriptures you think they're things that have held us for the last 50 years. You may as you pray think, well, actually, this is a verse I think. And what I'd love you to do is to, to as we spend some quiet, is to write some verses down on the one with a picture on. And just take a moment to pray and think, Lord, is there anything, any verse of scripture that comes to mind for us? It might be about the past, it might be about now, but it also might be what God's calling us to become. And I'd love you if you feel that anything comes to mind. And if you're not sure it's from God, don't worry, just write it down. It's not a test. This is not a test. This is a kind of Let's put something down. How can we encourage us? How will will the word of God shape us going forward? Are there any verses? I'm going to take, receive those. If you, um, I'll put a little table here. If you come and bring them to the front when you've written anything down you think is relevant in the quiet, that'd be great. So I'd love you to do that. If you're someone who's just sat there blank, thinking I've got nothing, that's okay, don't worry. The other piece of paper is actually, it's an exercise someone asked me to do. Um, was just to write down verses of scripture that were really important to you. Any verse of scripture that comes to mind, you say, what verse of scripture is important? You may just have one. Maybe John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. And that's the verse of the Bible you know. And that's it. You may have, that's absolutely fine. But there are others of you who actually may have quite a lot that actually you just need to remind what God has been saying to you. You need to remind yourselves of what God has been saying to you through your life. 
It's a way of reminding ourselves of what God has been saying to And the reason you can remember those verses is they were significant for you, because God was showing you something. So we're going to take a few minutes. Could you write them down? You can hold on to this one. This is for you to have a think about. But could you have a go at something for them? Just take three or four minutes to do that. If you need a pen, I think Henry's got some pens. Otherwise, um, um, got any pens? Anybody need a pen? If you put your hand up, I'll try. Yeah, okay. 